This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 57, The Mutilated Man of Billings Reservoir. Wrapped around the southwestern corner of the bustling modern metropolis of Sao Paulo, Brazil, sits nearly 50 square miles of man-made infrastructural majesty. The Billings Reservoir has been supplying millions of Sao Paulo citizens with water and power since 1935. But this beautiful and vital waterway has not always been such a wholesome destination for family fun and weekend water sports. Back in the balmy September of 1988, for a day, the tranquil trails that surround it were home only to horror. When a young boy would come face to face with the aftermath of one of the most disturbing deaths ever recorded, he would come face to face with the mutilated man of Billings Reservoir. Early in the afternoon of September 29, 1988, a beautiful cloudless sky allowed the mid-spring sunshine to cover every inch of the vast city of Sao Paulo. At the edge of the city, the Billings Reservoir lay like a placid blanket of shimmering summer diamonds, calling to those seeking a break from the cramped humidity of the urban sprawl. But this massive waterway held far more danger than most chose to acknowledge. It is well known that deaths of all kinds happen in and around those waters on a near-annual basis. Accidental drownings and summer sports accidents stack right up alongside the dumped results of Sao Paulo's rampant gang violence. On rare occasions, the corpse of some unfortunate soul washes up on the banks that stands out in the crowd, one that leaves authorities and onlookers alike scratching their heads. The puzzle pieces of some of these situations eventually fall into place, and those involved are able to find closure. Others simply never come together. This was the case back in the spring of 88. A young boy, 10 or 11 years old, walked along the banks of the reservoir testing the elasticity of his slingshot by stretching it as far as he could and letting it spring forward and pass the hand that held it. But this slingshot was no toy. The youngster wasn't there with mischief in mind. He had come to the banks of Billings with dinner on his mind. He was a regular hunter of birds and small game that lived around the man-made lake. The tall grass between the tree lines and the shore made for the perfect hunting grounds, and he had become quite good at it. After just an hour of stalking the area, he stumbled across what he at first believed to be an instance of good fortune. Just across a narrow inlet, he spotted a group of eight to twelve large vultures huddled together. The boy was no stranger to the wild world he was in. He knew very well what caused vultures to behave in such a way. They danced and pecked excitedly in a way that crowded his view of what lie between them. At first he thought it may be the corpse of a capybara, but it appeared to be larger than that. And it didn't look furry enough. Could it be the remains of a dead caiman? Regardless, he was determined to take full advantage of the bird's frantic and distracted state. He pulled a smooth inch and a quarter-sized stone from the pack around his waist and loaded it into his weapon of choice. He crouched down, placing one knee on the rough pebbles below for stability, and stretched the band back, eyeing his prey. Breath filled his chest as he prepared to fire when, just as he released the tension, 
A bird flying overhead let out a screech, and his startled right arm flinched hard, sending his ammunition wide right. He watched disappointedly as the stone barked sharply off a large stone near the group of no longer dinner birds. The bouncing rock was enough to scare the carrions off their meal, and in the boy's frustrated state, it took him a moment to fully understand what he was seeing. In his defense, the mangled state of the human body lying there on the shore would have made identifying it a challenge even for a practiced eye. But he did come to understand what he was seeing. Shocked and horrified, the boy carried this terrible news to the nearest village as quickly as possible. Bursting into the local church, he blurted out the horror he had witnessed through the pained gasps of a long sprint. The police were notified, and within the hour, two officers from the Santo Amaro Police Department and a fire truck arrived on the scene. It only took a cursory glance at the man's remains for them to determine that they were quite a ways out of their depth. By early evening, the discovery site was closed off and swarming with officers, detectives, and crime scene medical response teams. Rumors about the boy's brutal discovery spread through the local area like wildfire. Everyone was talking about the mutilated corpse, stretching the truth a little more with each conversation. But an odd thing happened. The story failed to be picked up by even the smallest tabloid newspaper. Not a single mention of the event made its way to the press. The hustle and bustle of the crowded scene went on well into the night, but by the following morning, a few caution tape streamers and a section of tall grass well beaten by many feet were the only signs that anything had occurred there at all. Because no press paid in any mind, and the level of violence in Sao Paulo's streets, the story quickly fell by the wayside. By the end of the week, a couple of shootings and a police chase through the neighborhood had replaced the mystery on the tongues of its residents, and the police investigation faded almost entirely into the realm of legend. There is a good chance that this story would have been lost forever, if not for a strange series of occurrences that followed six years later. In 1994, the coroner's report was leaked to the press by a source as mysterious as the initial event. The following weeks saw several small-time local newspapers pick up the story. It is presumed that the source was someone inside the government or law enforcement. We can further assume that they found the details of this case to be so unnerving, so completely disturbing that they could not stand for them to be kept from the scrutiny of the public. Now I will warn you, these details are not something you will soon forget. That the particulars of this case left authorities perplexed is no surprise. In fact, it was impossible to determine what creature could have been capable of the injuries inflicted on this man. The victim, identified by dental records, was left anonymous in most publications. All the public knew was that this man had been subjected to monstrous mutilation, the likes of which had never been discussed in public before. According to the autopsy report... The tongue had been removed. The lips and flesh around the jaw and neck had been cut away. The eyes were extracted, and the eyelids had been cut away. The left ear had been sliced off, and a large section of the jawbone was missing. Further examination revealed one-and-a-half-inch puncture wounds under each arm. Identical holes were found on the arms and legs. It became apparent that massive bits of flesh... In some areas, entire muscles had been extracted. Each of these puncture wounds was identical. Furthermore, they were positioned on the body in near-perfect symmetrical alignment. Internal examination revealed that the organs had been removed as well. The deeply sunken chest and stomach cavities began to make sense when they found that the kidneys, stomach, liver, pancreas, and small and large intestines were all missing. What is truly baffling about this is the fact that there was no incision in the abdomen. Only another one-and-a-half-inch puncture where the navel once was. Based on this bizarre detail, the coroner concluded that the missing organs, along with the extracted muscle tissue, had been removed through these apertures, most likely via suction. While this is a truly unorthodox approach to organ extraction, 
It was the only reasonable conclusion available. Additionally, the victim's colon had been carved out, leaving nothing but a hole approximately four inches in diameter where the rectum presumably once was. He had been castrated. And to top this all off, every ounce of blood had been drained from his body. One thing was certain to the medical examiners and investigators alike. All of these wounds had been carried out with an almost unnatural speed and surgical precision. A confident hand had to have been responsible. Bizarrely, the wounds showed no signs of bleeding. This could only be explained if the blood had been extracted simultaneously, or if the wounds were cauterized while they were being made. There were no signs of rigor mortis, and the body had a distinct lack of smell. Despite the fact that the body was surrounded by vultures when it was discovered, there were no signs of animal predation. Of all these horrendous details, the one piece of information that left investigators stunned above all others was the toxicology report. It showed indisputably that the victim endured this process free of any form of anesthesia or similar paralyzing agent. While this in itself is an unimaginable experience, it also furthered the confusion. They had concluded with equal certainty that the victim had at no point been restrained. The body was free of ligature marks of any kind. Either this man endured this horrendous torture through sheer willpower alone, or he was subjected to a form of paralyzing agent unknown to the modern medical profession. This conclusion is supported by what was discovered when the coroner examined the man's brain, cerebral edema. The discovery of cerebral edema without any accompanying trauma is a sign of one thing and one thing alone, agony. The official cause of death is listed, quote, acute hemorrhage in multiple traumatisms. There is a component of causa mortis by vagus stimulation. All that to say that the victim died because his heart and lungs failed while enduring excruciating pain, most likely during torture. The victim was a 53-year-old man who had a history of epilepsy and alcoholism. He was an avid fisherman who spent many of his days working the banks of the reservoir. He had been reported missing just three days before his body was discovered. His clothing was found near a tree on the opposite banks, folded and neatly stacked in a pile. While this sounds bizarre, according to his family, it was a common practice of his to strip down and swim the 250 feet across the inlet for a better fishing spot. Initially, Authorities believed that he had mixed alcohol with his anti-epilepsy medication, and that this had created the serious reaction that cascaded into his collapse and death after the swim. They believed that this had been followed by being preyed upon by insects, rats, and birds, which would, along with natural decomposition, explain the injuries found on his body. Unfortunately, this theory was destroyed by the coroner's report. The man had not been dead long enough for decomposition or predation to explain the extent of damage to his body. Aside from the fact that there were simply not enough time for the man's organs and muscles to have been eaten, there were no signs of predation at all. No bite or scratch marks, no dusting, no insects were found inside the body. Each and every incision found on the body were precise in nature, presumably man-made. As peculiar as the details of this man's death were, the response would put it to shame. Despite all of this evidence gathered in the post-mortem examination, investigators immediately closed the case. They classified it as a tragic accident, the death of a man with poor health and poorer lifestyle choices, but ultimately a result of natural causes. As baffling as it is, this classification limited exposure to the case details. It allowed them to essentially pile it into a box and file it away. This fact has led to intense scrutiny. Many accuse the authorities of covering up the details, finding some way to shove them into obscurity, 
and this claim is not without merit. The fact is that the story would not have been examined by the public at all if not for an internal leak six years after the event took place. And the vast majority of articles written about this incident following the leak cite the location of discovery as Guaraparanga Reservoir. Could this be yet another obfuscation? The real question here is why all the secrecy? If this truly was a natural death as the authorities would have us believe, why the muddling of details? Why the incredibly quick turnaround initially? Why would the investigation support a conclusion entirely unsupported by the coroner's report? The fact of the matter is that the facts do not hold up. What is clear is that this poor unfortunate man experienced pain and anguish and torture on a level that none of us could ever imagine. He endured this without an anesthetic. The procedures performed on him truly defy explanation. So what happened on that day? To a man who was just there to catch some fish? Could his death really have been an extremely rare side effect of an epileptic seizure? If so, how do we explain what would be post-mortem wounds? Could this have been an incredibly brutal and bizarre murder? With no signs of struggle, restraint, or conflict, this feels like a long shot, and it's hard to imagine someone being capable of this level of damage without the use of an anesthetic or paralyzing agent. So unless we consider the random and perfect arrangement of natural variables able to create a scenario that appears entirely unnatural, it becomes necessary to consider the supernatural. The countryside surrounding Sao Paulo is in no short of cryptozoological legends. Could one of these creatures explain the bizarre details of this man's death? Or could this be yet another example of extraterrestrial mutilation? Many are familiar with the long history of cattle mutilation associated with the extraterrestrial phenomenon. It would be difficult to ignore the similarities here. Regardless, over 30 years later, we still find ourselves seeking the answer for what happened that day. For what happened to the mutilated man of Billings Reservoir. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts. I am Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, an ad break. Hello, my name is Todd Purse. I'm a full-time cartoonist and creative, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, The Create Magic Pod. This is a daily dose of weird that's about five minutes of me talking about what I was thinking when making the artwork I make every day and post over on Instagram my website. If you need a little bit of inspiration or just want to hear some random weird stuff about everything from the paranormal to the weather, then this might be the pod for you. You can check it out at my website, createmagicstudios.com, as well as my shop and Patreon and all kinds of other stuff. Please reach out if you want to work on some creative fun. I am always open to new projects. Thanks again for checking this out, and I hope you all have the best day. Bye. Hey there, campers. My name's Kimmy. And my name's Ryan. We've noticed you stumbled upon our mystical campfire, so that means there's a solid chance you have some questions. Like... Why am I here? What's going on? And why are there cryptid and folklore creatures everywhere? And should I be worried about the Mothman dressed as a camp counselor swooping down to steal my s'mores? Well, you've stumbled upon the Alorian Campgrounds. Alorian is a folklore podcast where every episode we dive into the history and lore of different creatures and cryptids you see wandering around these campgrounds. And during each episode, we discuss the sightings, encounters, poems, history, fun, facts, and pop culture focused on our campfire topic that week. We hope through shared experience we can learn and make light about all the unknown corners of the universe. So come take a seat around the campfire, make yourself at home, and listen to Alluring Today anywhere podcasts are heard. Or watch videos on YouTube, or even go to our website, alluring.com. That's A-L-O-R-E-I-N-G dot com. And now the debrief. All right, this one is gnarly. 
honestly, I, I picked this one because it's been a long time since I did one that gave me nightmares. And I felt <laughs> I was starting to feel like a bitch. Right? So yeah, for sure. I, I needed to pick one that actually scared me. And, no, uh, I mean, this one's messed up, dude. Like, yeah, I uh, first of all, I do not envy this poor man. Yeah. <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, yeah, like... For just just the whole situation super gnarly but then yeah. also like this little kid has to be completely traumatized right i know obviously i mean it's not uncommon you know it's you know for bodies to wash up on the shore or, you yeah. know like little things like that that happen and of course like the crime you know crime rate and stuff like that whatever like yep. especially back in the 80s right but to be like a 10 or 11 year old kid which was yeah. never never fully determined yeah, one uh, or the other. <laughs> we were kind of joking about that before the episode uh but yes 10 or 11 uh and you stumble upon this like you know almost naked man with yeah completely naked completely naked yeah. you know with uh yeah just compute completely mutilated well here's um, the the good luck part was that he spotted it from across this this like water inlet so he he never got like a super close up view so, of it okay I, I know he saw like, it from like a hundred feet away because he had went yeah. to like uh, you know shoot a slingshot at one of the birds or something right and then yep. as he was in the midst of doing it, I it, maybe I'd, I want to make sure I'm 100% like yeah, fully yeah. aware of what was going on during that scene um but it was to my understanding like he, he was going to shoot one and then happens to see it and that like is that what threw him off or was it the bird like squawking that threw him off yeah it was at some point he got distracted it was a bad shot and it was after the bird scattered okay from the missed shot that he really figured out what what they were huddled around right but yeah basically i mean he knew that there was something there yeah, he knew it was a person. Right. Okay. Like, but he, like, one of the things that freaked me out in the research because the victim's um, family talked about how it was a common practice that for him when he was there fishing is he would fish one side of this inlet, and then when he basically got tired of fishing that side or determined somehow that the other side would be better he would just strip all of his clothes off fold them up in a little nice little pile next to the tree (laughs) and swim across this inlet and just fish on the other side for a while (laughs) right i yeah like that to me though is is a little strange like why didn't this guy like you know bring like maybe some swim shorts like a speedo (laughs) like something you know so he's not just like stripping down and and yeah. to me, I, I would find that a little strange. Like, yeah, let me get naked and go swim across here so I can maybe get a better, uh, catch a better fish. See, the the naked part was a little weird to me. And then I remembered this is Brazil. And they're much less, you know, prudish about nudity. Right. I mean, as you know, every I mean? place outside of yeah. this country is, right? For sure. But, you know, Brazil in particular. But... What freaked me out was as I got a little deeper and I started like looking at this area geographically, that's a hundred and fifty that's like half a football field wide, that inlet that he yeah. would swim across. Yeah, that, I, mean, I that's, mean that's that's a swim. That's yeah, that's pretty massive. Yeah. <laughs> and also he's like swimming with I assume his like fishing gear and everything. Sure. Like so, a fishing pole, right? Does yeah. he have it like on like a little like floaty or something that like he's holding <laughs> on to as, he, as he's fishing across or swimming across or you know like that's a good question. Is this like dipping under the water as he like makes each like stride? Probably, yeah. He's probably honestly just holding the fishing pole like under an arm and swimming with one arm. Or <laughs> that's so so strange though. Yeah, that yeah. W- that was one thing I did find just really really odd. Um, just it, because if it were me, I mean that'd just be too much trouble. Yeah, like at least bring like an inflatable, like you know, inflatable like floaty thing or something. 
That's true. I mean, that's a long ass swim. Yeah, just for no a, doubt. a maybe better fishing spot. Right. But I mean, again, people in this neighborhood, they weren't fishing for recreation. They were fishing to have food to eat. That's <laughs> you know what I mean? That's fair too, right? I guess it's so the hunt, maybe, right? Yeah, maybe a, a better fishing spot was the difference between eating dinner that night or not. And in that case, that's, I might yeah, that's I might fair. go for a swim if I needed to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, now that and, and since you're, I guess you brought it up about the victim's family. So yeah. did we ever actually find out the victim's name? Because I know, like at one point, you had said, um, and most of like you know the reports and stuff like that, it is his name wasn't ever mentioned or something. Yeah, I found his name in in a couple reports and I felt like it felt best to me to just keep it anonymous to keep it going anonymous. All right. It's like fair. it's known in small circles. You know, like it, it's just not widely So discussed. you're basically a man on the inside. Yeah. All right. Always. <laughs> well, look no, at like, you. It it <laughs> It was kind of hard to find his name, actually. Like, it, it took some digging, but I did find it. Um, but yeah, I chose not to share it, because... I don't know. It's, right. I mean, it's a fucking brutal death, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, And it's probably not a thing that his surviving family members like to discuss. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And also, you know, out of respect, I guess. But... yeah. If it's out there, obviously, you can go and search for it. Yeah. All right. Well, never mind then. Also, in the in the show notes, we're going to include links to the photos. Now, those are completely optional. I'm not even going to post those on socials. Like, they are incredibly graphic and detailed yeah i mean they are the the autopsy and crime scene photos they are available on the internet okay yeah i don't necessarily want to post them but they will be there in the show notes if you're probably best to give that almost verbal disclaimer (laughs) yeah yeah i mean they are incredibly brutal so click those links at your own will at your own discretion all right like yeah there yeah. it's it's crazy like those images are kind of like burned into my brain oh, right I, now i could imagine i mean you know any just even looking like any type of like crime scene photo or stumbling on you know on those like obviously we've all seen like some yeah i, I maybe not all of us but you know good majority of us have have stumbled on like some or like looking up like yeah. something in the past right yep. um and yeah like uh, some of those can be almost traumatizing and you know you never you never forget those things i mean those of us our age who grew up in like the wild west of the internet when we were young teens like we (laughs) all had those those moments where we stumbled onto a website no one had any business being on yeah and oh yeah had some terrible shit burned into our brains oh man i i'm not even gonna bring up some of the things that i stumbled upon like just you know i I mean of course like anyone our age or or older of course is gonna be familiar with like faces of death and like stuff like that there was you know those were all fake but yeah think of similar types of things and yeah i mean it's it's terrible it's definitely terrible so, so when you think of when you think of that time period do you have one that pops into your brain i do like you don't have to tell me what it is or anything oh yeah but like no i you have one specific one that always like i have that's one, one video that i saw and i was like i mean i was probably 12 or 13 like you know yep. the days of like dial up and you know like these things taking for you know like any video yeah. photos stuff like that taking forever and um i remember stumbling upon this one particular video and it was just like a couple seconds yeah and it's forever scarred me yes yeah see mine was a photo 
And I I believe I was 14 when I found it. And I can like I can still see it like loading. <laughs> like with the dial-up internet. Yeah. You know, like slowly loading slices down from top to bottom. Yes. And yeah, it's forever stuck in my brain. And that's the one that I I always think of that same one when I think of that era of just vile internet content. Oh yeah, I'm you know I'm I'm glad like stuff. You know, I mean I I don't know. Obviously I'm not out there like looking you know like looking yeah. at terrible things these days. But like yeah, I you know I'm pretty sure like that's not as easily accessible as you know uh, as that time period. Maybe you're certainly not finding it on like mainstream websites anymore. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, because I've always yeah. been to I've always been into horror. You know, like sure. so, like even looking up like horror movies and stuff like that would lead down those rabbit holes of like, yeah, oh, check out this site and check out this, and next thing you know, you're like, wow, I don't need to watch scary movies anymore. Yeah, yeah, like scary movies are bullshit compared to real life. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, dude. No doubt. Yeah. Um. So anyhow, <laughs> yeah. So these, any of you familiar with that? that era of internet content these photos fit right into that i mean they're pretty horrifying yeah um and now i'm like i'm pretty sensitive about stuff like that like particularly sensitive about like crime scene photos and stuff yeah. the ones when mm-hmm. we covered um another brazilian mystery the ventame hill the um lead masks yeah 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 even those crime scene photos fucked with me for a long time and they were fairly tame like just photos of like people standing next to corpses i mean yeah it freaks me out it it almost kind of i don't i don't know i guess it it kind of puts death more into perspective um and maybe that's like a gruesome way to like look at it but it does you know yeah it does. Um, you know, I so which I think that right there is terrifying. Yeah. You know, at, le- at least to me, you know. That's the comforting part of it for me. Like that that's the part that like makes it okay. That's like the redeeming quality <laughs> for me is that it like it like helps you sort of examine your own mortality. I I so I don't know if that makes it okay or if that makes me like fear anything that much more. Yeah. Like I'm already like a paranoid, anxious <laughs> guy, you know, like, yeah. So like, you know, I'm always, always making sure like I'm not doing anything too terrible to like, you know, I guess putting myself at like risk of like, you know, whatever little things yeah. just for, for that, sure. like sheer fact that like it is, you know, like mortality is very much a, a very sensitive thing and like you know we're yeah we're like you know it's one step closer to to that uh inevitable end uh you know every second of every (laughs) day so like i I mean and aside from that like and not to get too personal and you can pull this if you want later but like you're also a person who has had your entire life altered by the a decision made in a split second you know what I yeah. mean? Oh yeah, without a like, doubt. And that a lot of anxiety comes from knowing how you know one little decision can pivot your entire trajectory. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it and just with anybody like that's been in like an accident or yep. Um, you know, which that's that's probably one of the biggest things like, you know, it's there like in a split second like things can change yeah um and that's just like my mindset now like i'm just like you know <laughs> like so i need to make sure that i'm i'm doing this correctly like right. doing that like because i mean yeah like man like things can yeah things can really yeah go the opposite direction very 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 quickly yeah so you go through it your entire life measuring twice and cutting once yes exactly like, yeah and especially I, as I i've gotten older man. like that's yeah. that's when it's gotten worse like 
when I was younger, I mean, you know, it was like, okay, like I can be a little reckless, like, <laughs> you know, but yeah, yeah, like I get older, the more, like the older I get, the more I'm just like, man, sit back, careful. maybe stay <laughs> in my house and never leave. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I'm safer uh, here than anywhere else. Yeah. I've come a little too close to that few times. Right. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, these, um, I don't know, these stories, they make me nervous. They create a lot of anxiety because, oh, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. Because at the end of the day, what the fuck happened to this guy? See, that's what you we're here what to I mean? try and figure yeah. out. Like, I mean, well, obviously we're, we're not going to figure it out, but like, right. we're going to speculate. We're going to talk about it. Right. Yeah. So I, before, before we start kind of speculating, start getting into stuff like that, um, I did, I just, again kind of recreating that scene so this like sure. this boy stumbles upon this and i just i kind of want to turn things around like more uh positively i guess you know okay. um so first of all it's early in the afternoon and this is uh, yep. one of the questions i was asking like how early was it you know like <laughs> it's early in the afternoon right yeah um but you mentioned something and I know I didn't I didn't hear you right, and I wrote it down just so I could find out exactly what you said. Okay. But it sounded like you mentioned something about a flaccid blanket. <laughs> placid. Placid blanket. I <laughs> see. <laughs> How dare you mishear my metaphors? Alright, well that changes the story completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh a placid blanket of summer, uh, shimmering summer diamonds, I think is what it was. All right. Well, uh, fairly flou- flowery. Language what I there, thought this but... was about is out the window now. So let's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like I said, I, I, I knew that that was not correct, but I was just curious. Okay. All right. You almost had it. I was close. And I also yeah. like the fact that you described this boy as being 10 to 11. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how he's that's how he's described in every article. It's just like 10 or 11, uh, take your pick. Like a preteen boy. How or, old do you uh, want him to be? Like, you know, Yeah, it's 10, up to you, dude. You know, does 10 seem right? 11 seem right? I don't know. He just he stumbled upon it. He was playing with this slingshot. Yeah. All right. All right. You know what I think might be the saddest part of this whole story? (laughs) What's that? This kid was fully intending on eating a buzzard. So this is what I was just about to talk about. Like a a disgusting scavenger. I mean, yeah, that's this. That is gross. That is definitely gross. But also like think of how badass it is for this like little kid to be out hunting his own dinner with a slingshot. Right. Like nonetheless. Yeah. Which is. Yeah, man, I wish I, I when because I remember being a kid and like playing with slingshots and thinking, yeah, this is cool. I was never that good. Yeah, I couldn't even hit a target. <laughs> no, me yeah, I, I'd pull it back and like my whatever it was I was throwing would go off and like either hit me or go you know, <laughs> yeah. somewhere else. Half the time it would just fall limply to the floor <laughs> right, exactly. before I even let go of the. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Or like. It would snap back and like hit me in the face. I'd be like, "Man, yep. <laughs> never gonna figure this yeah. whole slingshot thing out." But yeah, no this this kid was there's okay. So this era in Brazil, they were pretty overrun by gang violence. Yeah, like when you think like South American gangland, it's this era, the late '80s in Brazil, or were that. So there was an epidemic of single mothers raising children because the men, so many of the men were involved in the gangs and right. were dying in the violence. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, or they were, you know, involved like tangentially in some sort of gang violent, like men were dropping like flies in the eighties in Brazil. So there's like a whole generation of Brazilians raised by single mothers. That's like that's how intense the violence was. Which like if you're, you know, if you're if you're in that field of like 
you're looking looking for some women. Yeah. <laughs> that was the time period apparently. For sure. You know, like you wouldn't have had much competition at least. That's true. Most no, of I, them were dead. I know that's a but like, terrible, terrible <laughs> way to put it. But I mean, yeah, no, but like, like this um this boy basically like the way I saw it in the story, the way I took it was like it was his job to secure dinner for like siblings, yeah. mother, you know what I mean? Like the dad wasn't around to do that anymore, so he was out there hunting giant buzzards with a slingshot. Man, that's rough, especially 10 to yeah. 11 years old. <laughs> yes. 10 to 11. <laughs> 10 to 11. I'm, I'm just saying, like, still, yeah, yeah. even 11 years old, like, to be out there, you know, it being almost your job to, you know, take care of your family or provide, like, meals and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's rough, yeah, man. For sure. That's a lot of it's responsibility for, like, a 10 to 11 yeah. year old a different world yeah no doubt honestly than than any of us are accustomed to yeah my that's, like that's crazy i fight getting my 11 year old just to like rinse his plate after dinner so can right. imagine being like either you catch a giant bird on your own or all of us starve exactly and make sure that <laughs> it's enough to feed the entire family yeah, exactly you better get two buzzards jeez yeah, Crazy. I, I mean, yeah, and and that's and that's what you know kind of puts that whole like process like you know kind of paints that picture a little bit more like this little kid is out here trying to supply food for his family. You know, maybe they're yeah. seeing uh, like he's you know an only child. Maybe he's a child of like six. Who knows? Whatever. Um, yeah, you know, like, but the fact that he's out here doing this. It's his responsibility to, you know, to like be able to provide that and whatever else, or, you know, maybe he's just hungry. Doesn't matter. Like, this is exactly, you know, he's out there hunting. Like, yeah. And this is when he like happens to stumble upon this mutilated, mutilated body. Um, which now yeah. knowing that he didn't like fully, like, he wasn't like right there, like, you know, looking at the guy or whatever, but at least yeah. spotting him from afar, that's enough to, you know, that's enough to mess with you. For sure. For sure. I mean, it startled him enough to, like, grab his shit and run to the nearest village immediately. Right. You know? Which is the next thing I want to kind of talk about. So the when the police get involved, right, um, you know, like, police get involved. There's a couple couple police. Uh, I believe you said there was, like, a, uh, like, maybe a few firemen or a fire truck or something like that, whatever. Um, you know, that arrive on the scene, they're like checking all this out literally by the next day. Like it's, you know, like just another, almost like another day. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of the week, like it's just, it's literally old news. So the fact that like things move that quickly and there's enough, there was enough at that point, like enough going on, enough crime, enough, like whatever else for that to almost be like swept under the rug. Yeah. It's just sad. Like really sad. Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah, it really it is. really is. I mean, when you th- you know you hear people talk about like the old bad New York City, right? Like what New York was like in the eighties and early nineties, right? Like multiply that by I have no idea how much, but that's Sao Paulo at the same. I assume time that's period, a large number. You know? Yeah, I don't know exactly. Number. I don't know how much number is, but. I, I just would think pick a number. There's quite a it's, few zeros uh, there. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, the the streets were fucking brutal at this time period. Like this insane, you know, mutilation of this corpse comes up, and it takes less than 24 hours for them to, you know, by the end of the week, nobody's even talking about it anymore. And the fact that it doesn't even reach like any form of headline or anything like yep. that no press is at all insane see a lot of people point to that as part of the conspiracy yeah i i know and yeah. i know that we're we're gonna move in that direction because yeah. obviously six years after the fact this you know there's more light shed on this whole like situation again yeah. um 
which we don't it gets know why. leaked actually directly to a newspaper. The first the first leak is directly to to a newspaper. So it was there was obviously were, some leaked it, intention there. It out right, there. exactly. Yes. Yeah, it was it was definitely on purpose. There was no like you know, it was yeah. like nothing, yeah, nothing that was trying to be hidden. Like they were trying to make sure that this saw the light of day. Yep. Um, absolutely. So, let's let's talk about that. So the fact that literally this is swept under the table, there's no other conversation about it, nothing else in the media, anything like that, for six years until, what was it, 1994. So from 88 to 94. Um, And then in 94, this is literally leaked to the newspapers, um, starts, you know, gaining a lot of traction, and finally... So I guess at this point was was did they do like another uh, like did they I guess I, the question I'm trying to ask is was all like the like the original uh, like autopsy and stuff like that was that done in '88 or was that done like did they like dig them up and try and do like a near like you know work with what they had or what the um, the medical examiner the like um post-mortem was done in 88 okay right after the the body was discovered as well as the toxicology report so that was the um, information basically part of the information that was leaked was yeah were those reports which is, yeah which okay. is what's so baffling about them deciding in 88 to rule it an accidental death because that flies in the face of the coroner's report entirely. Yeah. Oh, without like, a doubt. Entirely. They once they found out that the victim had epilepsy, they were just they came up with this story that he had been mixing alcohol with his anti-epilepsy medication and that he had had a seizure as a result of the, you know, being exhausted swimming yeah. across. I mean, yeah, you're gonna be exhausted, uh, of course. Also, the heat, the sun—like maybe there was a bit of sun sure. poisoning or something. Whatever. It just the thing is, he officially died of cardiorespiratory issues. Right. Um, yeah, and, and and his brain had had like a what cerebral edema, right? Which showed yeah. like signs of like duress and agony right yeah Yeah. yep so between that and the toxicology report coming back completely clean they came to the conclusion that he was alive that he was un um was he essentially like unconscious at that point possibly um they know that he had no anesthesia. Right. There were no sedatives he w- used or anything yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And that he wasn't restrained in any way. So, which has to, I I would think, I mean, I, I don't know. I would think like that would have to lead to like some form of paralysis. Maybe he was unconscious or something. Because, I mean, a toxicology report's not going to show him being unconscious or anything like that. And, you know, the fact that, like, yeah, they found this, like, cerebral edema and stuff like that, that's not going to show, like, 100% that he was unconscious. Like, it's just going to show that he was alive as it was happening. that's true. Um, That's true. You know, so maybe, you know, it's something like that uh, that happened. But, I mean, still, regardless, that's what's what's really, really weird about this. Um, Yeah. You know, and so getting back to like this information being leaked, you know, we talked about like the possibility or, you know, we're, I guess you had mentioned the possibility during the story, like that it could have been leaked by law enforcement or maybe mm-hmm. someone with the government, you know, that was trying to shed light on, you know, what actually happened. Yeah. Um, you know, which is, yeah, I, I would say a good, a good possibility in this case, unless like it was maybe like a family member or something, but like they wouldn't have access to all of that information. Right. I would say 
It was definitely, definitely maybe let out by accident. <laughs> definitely maybe by accident. Yeah. How is that? So you don't think it was intentional? I think that the reports were released intentionally. For sure. I think maybe that it was a person who stumbled upon them by accident. Okay. You know what I mean? Someone who had access to the files who stumbled on... Like, I don't think it was necessarily someone involved in the initial investigation. So it wasn't like they were they meant to send it to, like, a colleague and accidentally sent it to the newspaper? No. no. Okay. I just mean they came across them accident. I don't, I don't think that it was anyone investigating the case. All right. I think it was, it was probably someone who just stumbled across them in the, in the records and were like, how could this, you know, how could this possibly be? Right. This seems a little sus. Like maybe, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe we need to be talking about it. Right. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Um, unless, you know, it's somebody that was there during it and was, uh, pissed that, you know, never actually got the recognition or, you know, whatever that it needed and apparently decided yeah. six years was enough. I don't know. Maybe they got railroaded into, you know, declaring it a natural death and they wanted a chance to have another crack at it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, could have been. So... With that said, um, we know, I mean, obviously, the details of the entire thing were terrible. Yeah. To say the least, right? Terrible. I don't know if we really need to, like, revisit all of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, just go back and listen to the story if you want to know again. Um, but I mean, you know, very, very notable. Like we talked about like different like flesh wounds and stuff like that, that, uh, were all over the body and under, Mm -hmm. under the arms and stuff like that. The fact that the body was completely drained of blood, but never, you know, there was never like, there were never any wounds that actually quote unquote blood. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and like, there were no incision marks. His uh, internal organs were removed. Um, basically, I mean, this guy's butthole and you know penis were <laughs> were removed. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, like just these little, you know, like I guess not little, but like these major things. But like the, just the little details of it, you know, that are extremely unsettling. Um, yeah, like I said, without explaining, you know, everything else, but like so. What this is this is what really doesn't like settle well with me is they're not able to deter- to determine because they said like he had to have been drained while alive or like the wounds had to basically be instantly cauterized yeah right but they did they ever find any like you know uh like signs of them being cauterized or anything like that right on um on several of the circular wounds they found edges that were that were notably cauterized okay nerves that were burnt away hmm all right yep so i mean so i think that someone was definitely taking shots at something out there yeah no, as as I was as I was first listening to this, I instantly thought about um, the ice truck killer from Dexter. Okay. Um, I I won't with go the, into super details because if you haven't watched Dexter, like just do yourself a favor. Um, but the way that he drained the blood, they were never able to figure out like how. Like these, you know, all of these like wounds were completely clean and everything. Yeah. And the body dry. was completely drained of blood and they couldn't figure out how it was done. Right. Yeah. Um, needless to say, you know, the process used, like, I kind of wondered about that. Yeah. It's interesting to me. That screams like tech. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For you sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Which screams um, extraterrestrial <laughs> to me. Right. No, that was that was my other uh, kind of first assumption too. Like, uh, like I said, it maybe reminded me of Dexter, but then like, yeah, my my first almost thought was like, maybe this is some alien doing. Yeah. I'm. Yeah, I can't help but shake that that thought just all the experimentation mm-hmm. plus the massive history of cattle mutilation that are very similar to exactly what this guy seems yeah. to have went through 100 oh, you know um and then like they would also explain like some of the like the organs being removed like the yep. appendages and things like that that were removed uh you know uh you know like definitely screams very very much like some type of alien activity you know used for testing purposes like um you know like just even just research and stuff like that right um you know my other uh, kind of my other thing and we were just kind of briefly talking about this before um you know before we had gotten into the episode because i know you know you had mentioned like you know could it be possibly like cryptid related or something like that and uh you know we kind of briefly talked about the and i know i know i'm gonna butcher it i know i'm gonna butcher it because i already have like a hundred times uh that's all right go for what it was it the cowra or cow cowra I, I would think cowra or coera something like that which uh in the folklore of the mura indians of brazil uh the cowra or coera is a giant bat the size of an urubu vulture uh, which has a wingspan of up to 66 inches and it's said to be a bloodsucker capable of entirely draining a sleeping person so a jersey devil (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's similar to a jersey devil right yep exactly a brazilian um it's also said that uh it supposedly lives in holes in the ground comes out when it smells burning or when people go to the river to wash or wander the forest. <sighs> Shit. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's some some parts of this that line up. Yeah. Um, Maiden. Yeah, uh, which they, they believe that it might be connected to uh, the giant vampire bat. Um, yeah. You know, but feels like it's more of a large carnivorous uh, bat, or you know, basically like a more of like an over exaggerated uh, vampire bat. Yeah, but I mean, just note, you know, I guess noting like the fact that it's it was quote unquote capable of draining a sleeping person. Yeah, the blood draining—that's the big tie, right? right? Exactly, like. Because that's one of the weirdest things is this guy was exsanguinated. Like, there was nothing left. Not a yeah. drop of blood left in his body. It's, yeah, it's very odd. And supposedly happened, or supposedly supposedly happened, while, I mean, obviously, like, while he's alive. Right. Um, And just talking about that like was this paralysis was this uh, you know was he unconscious or something like that uh, yeah. but if this is said to be able to drain somebody while sleeping or you know whatever like maybe maybe that's the case who knows I don't yeah, know maybe he took a nap and woke up dead <laughs> and woke up dead man yeah. that's that's awful right but I, I don't know I, I prefer honestly the like the extraterrestrial route like yeah. to me, I don't know. It just it seems to line up quite a bit more, and especially as we get in traditional into traditional like mutilations and things like that. I mean, you know, this is almost like to a T. Yeah, it's it's very very close. Yeah, I honestly I think that the strongest case here is for some human version of cattle mutilation. Yeah. I I definitely I find myself agreeing with that, uh, and obviously, you know, I'm always a sucker for anything that's extraterrestrial based, or right. you know, that we can like <laughs> lean in that direction. Uh, yeah, you, I, you know me. 
Um, but like, yeah, to me, like that just, it honestly seems like just the cool, the coolest and most likely scenario. I, I think it's the most terrifying and most likely. I mean, also, yes, more, most terrifying because I mean, if this is, uh, you know, I've been saying for a while, like, man, like I'd love to meet an alien or, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I love abductions. I'd love to be a part of one one day. Um, not one like this. No, not at all, man. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. I want like. See, that's what, that's what scares the shit out of me, man. Because like, you hear, you know, of nice little alien encounters where they're like, "Oh, you should take care of your planet." Right, we'll like give you a ride home. Betty and Barney Hill and like Whitley Strieber yeah. and stuff. You know, not even like Betty this. and Barney Hills is a little scary, I, but like maybe just a little bit. There are super nice ones. This one is not nice. They basically like pick this guy up tortured him and just dumped him off like trash on the side of the river like yeah and that that's scary but like there are a ton of similarities between what happened to his body and what happens in cattle mutilation yeah like oh yeah for sure the cheek and and neck flesh being carved away the jawbone being removed the eyes and eyelids Uh, i was gonna say that yep yeah the um castration the um the colon being carved out Mm -hmm. like the puncture wounds and then the missing organs and just just think about that for a second having your organs literally sucked most likely out of your navel yeah man that is yeah like that's gruesome So, all that being considered, I think I have to land squarely in the camp of of extraterrestrial mutilation. Yeah, i I do too. Um, Which is wild because I'm not even sure if I believe in extraterrestrials. <laughs> <laughs> it just but, how else can you explain like yeah. just some of just the craziness of all this? And there are stories about the medical examiner later being showed photos of from cattle mutilations. Yeah. And them like remarking at how similar it all was. Right. And like it's just it's a whole thing. I I honestly think that's probably what happened here. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to I'm I'm gonna have to agree. Like I said, I, I you know that's that's kind of where I go. That was my immediate assumption. Um just just because like just because of how crazy it is how there's literally no way to explain any anything else yeah and just all the just the little factors and everything in which you know i i do hate because i always want to think of like you know any type of alien race as being like you know super helpful and friendly but i know they're not all yeah. like all right you know at least you know myself being aware of you know several different races and you know, like manted like races and things like that being extremely hostile and stuff. So, sure. I mean, that that very well could be just like this. You know, a lot of those types of mutilations yeah. could be chalked up to that. So, yeah, that's that's where my mind goes, though, for sure. Yeah, it could be. That could be the case. But, yeah, we'll never know. But again, that's why we're here. Try and tear it apart. You know, and uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully one day. Well, uh, man, I, I actually, I'm going to take that back. Um, I don't want to say hopefully one day we'll know for sure, especially if it was <laughs> alien based or anything. Uh, right. I don't want to know. Yeah, I agree. Anything that cuts other living things, assholes out, I, I think I'll pass on meeting them. And that concludes episode 57, the mutilated man of Billings Reservoir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook 
at Campfire T-O-T-S-A-U on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.